Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Okay, so we begin a new series this morning, and I told him in the first service, I was up much later than a man of God should be on a Saturday night, because I could not tear myself away from the riveting sport that is curling in the Olympics. And uh, I, I, I witnessed the, the, uh, the, the juggernaut battle between Russia and Canada last night in women's curling. It was fascinating. I don't understand anything about it. I just, it, you know, it's shuffleboard on ice. I mean, who doesn't like that? So um, pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, we're going to start a new series this morning called Compass. And I'm just going to tell you right up front, what we're talking about over the next several weeks is something you want me to talk about. We're going to talk about something that you... You, you want to know about, and you've probably said at some point in the last two or three months, if not the last week, I wish God would just tell me. You know, I wish I could just know. I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. Discovering the, the will of God is the topic over the next several weeks. And so um, here's what we know. To some degree, our life is the sum total of the decisions that we have made. Decisions about family, decisions about jobs, decisions about finances, um, how many kids to have, where to work, where to move to, you know, who to marry, um, you know, how long do we, do we um, go on vacation? I mean, any number of things that you might say, you know, what, what's the right answer? What are we supposed to do? And, and we are really the sum total of, of our decisions. Who you are and what you, where you are today is a direct result of the decisions that you have made. When I was a youth pastor, I used to um, tell the kids constantly. In fact, if you were to find one of the kids that was in my youth group growing up and you were to ask them, what's, one, what's some of the things that Brett always said? They would probably, this would probably be the first one. Life is a series of choices. Every choice has a consequence. That's true. Life is a series of choices and every choice has a consequence. And how you did in making those choices determines in large part where you are today. And as psychologically savvy as we all are, there is something in us that would like to blame our parents, right? It's their fault. It's not my fault I turned out the way I did. Can't be my fault. It's, it's their fault. That my, you know, my mom made me eat broccoli when I was four. No wonder I'm screwed up, right? That's, that's the whole deal. It's not, you know, Wes King sang a song, don't blame me. That's kind of the attitude that a lot of people take. Well, I got here not because of me. I got here because of something else. No, dude, you got here because of the decisions that you made. One of the great things about God is that he lets you make decisions. You get to make them. And, and then we make them, and we don't want to live up to them oftentimes. Um, you know, if I hadn't been born into that kind of family, if I hadn't had this kind of mommy, or if I hadn't had this kind of dad, I would have turned out completely different. No, the truth is we are the ones that made the decisions, and we are the ones who took the hand we were dealt and made decisions over it, and consequently we are where we are today as a result of that. And because of that, most of us in the room have some regrets, right? I mean, I doubt anybody in here has just done it perfectly. I doubt anybody in here would say, yeah, I, I nailed every single decision I've ever made. I don't think that's the case. Some of them we'd like to have a do-over on. Some of us in this room have whole chapters of our lives, right, that we'd like to have a do-over on. There's certain parts of our life we just like to rip out and pretend... Are there any, is there anybody in here that wishes their 20s had never happened, right? Uh, their early 20s or your college years, and you just like to remove those. And, say, and when someone says, hey, what about that? You say, well, what about what? I don't have any idea what you're talking about. One of the reasons that it's been difficult for some of you maybe to come back to church, because we got a lot of people in here that, that 
grew up in church and then they left and they didn't want anything to do with church and then babies start coming along right and then you start watching those babies run around and you think man I really need to get back to church that kid needs to be raised in church but then the idea of you coming back to church is is not a good one to you because one of the things that goes through your mind is what will they think there's people in, in this in that room that's gonna they're gonna know me they know what I did when I was 26 years old they saw me when I was in high school. They saw how crazy I was. They, what are people going to think when they see someone like me walk through the doors? Because that's what we think. We think, you know, if, if people only knew. That's why some of you don't want to be in a small group. Because you don't want anybody to get close enough to you to know you really well to find out how messed up you really are. If you're new to us, just let me clue you in on just one thing. that It's, it's like cross lane 101 you need to know this before you know anything else about us. Everybody in here is a mess. Everybody in here is a mess. So if you're here and you're thinking, man, I hope they don't find out about me, we're all hoping you don't find out about us. So don't worry about that. We're, you know, we're crazy, just so, just so you know. But you like the big group, but you don't like the idea of being in a small group where somebody would get to know you intimately and find out some of the dumb stuff that you've done in your life. And, and quite honestly, there's a you like the anonymity of a big group. Better yet, you probably like the idea of not going to church at all. You feel drawn to God, but you're not really sure you want God's people to know very much about you. That's just part of what it is for us. Some of us today, we're living the dream. Some of you are, are nailing your life plan. You, you set it out when you were young. You decided, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to be. And if we were to ask you, hey, how's it going? You would say, nailing it, going great. I'd say the majority of us would not say that. I'd say the majority of us would say, you know, I'm not quite where I thought I would be or I'm not doing what I thought I would be doing. I'm not doing it as well as I thought I would be doing it. I'm not getting paid like I thought I would be getting paid doing it. Um, you know, I'm, not, I'm 26 and I, I'm not quite where I thought I would be at 26 or 33 or 45. You know, it's just, there's, there, I thought that it would be different than it actually is. And there's been some good things and there's been some bad things, but we have fallen short of the things that we aspired to do, and oftentimes the reason is because of the decisions that we've made. Many of you are in this church and your testimony would be, you know, I, I made a lot of bad decisions and I'm hoping that somehow, some way, there is a God out there that will just keep me from making more dumb decisions. I, I hope there's a God out there that, that my primary goal is I just don't want to be dumb anymore. I, I, I just, you know... I don't want to be stupid anymore. I want to make good decisions. And if there's any chance that this book can help me with that, if, if through God or through God's people, if somebody can just help me and put some guardrails on my life so that I stay within those guardrails so that I don't do stupid stuff. I, that's all I'm after. And, and you, you may have come this morning thinking, man, God, just say something to me that I need to hear. That's why I'm here. Well, here's the great news. Your heavenly Father... And that's exactly what he is. He is your heavenly father. He's, he's unlike any other father you can imagine. God wants to guide you, and he wants to direct our lives. And for many of us, that's exactly why you come each week. You want to open up God's word, and you want to have him speak to you. But here's the challenge. Here's, here's what goes through our minds. How do I know if what I'm hearing is God, right? How do I know it's not the pizza I had last night? How do I know that something else isn't at work? I mean, it says in the Bible, you know, it says weird stuff in the Bible. It, it, it's, you know, it says Judas hung himself. Am I supposed to do that? I mean, what, what things am I supposed to do? What things am I not supposed to do? How do we know? How can we know for sure that we're hearing from God? And then you have Christians who will give you 
contrary advice. For instance, if you had something going on in your life and you knew Kyle and you knew me and you walked up to Kyle and you said, Kyle, here's what's going on, here's my story, what do you think? He might tell you one thing. You might tell me that same story and I might direct you in another direction altogether. Who do you listen to? How do you know? What, what, what is contrasting contradictory opinions? How in the world do we know what God wants us to do? That is a very frustrating thing. Here's the great news. In spite of all the confusion... And maybe you're a Christian and you're thinking, you know, this is the part where Brett starts talking about hearing from God. Maybe you're not a Christian and you think, this is exactly why I don't like going to church. Because some guy gets on a stage and starts talking about hearing from God and I've never heard from God and I don't want to hear from God. Let me just be crystal clear as the pastor of this church. Crystal clear. I have never heard the audible voice of God. I would freak out if I heard the audible voice of God. I would wig out so bad, I would ask you, do we have a back door? And if you said no, I would say, where would you like one? Because I'm about to make one, okay? Because it would, it would freak me out to hear the, the audible voice of God. I couldn't handle it. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a God who allows us to call him Father, and he cares about your life, and he cares about my life, and the decisions that we make. And he knows that we're here today primarily because of good and bad decisions. And not only that, but as we're going to see, God is up to something outside of your little itty-bitty life. He's up to something outside of what little life I have. And he wants to be a part of it. And consequently, what you decide to do and what you do with your life is of great importance to God because God is up to something in the world and he wants to include you in it. And the more on board with him you are, the better off it's going to be for God and the better off it's going to be for you. And so he lets us call him Father. I want to read to you the tail end of a verse. It's the last part of a verse, and we're going to look at the first part of the verse at the end of the message. But here's the promise of God, okay? He will make your path straight. That knocked your socks off, didn't it? He will make your path straight. Say, Brett, what does that mean? It means that he will make your path straight obvious he will make it clear to you what you are to do where you are to go and what you are to become he will make your path straight this is the promise that God has made to everybody who wants to get in on knowing what it is that he wants you to do with your life now we talk about the will of God let me give you a little background and then we're going to launch in this morning there are three things that you need to understand when you talk about the will of God, okay? And if you've got a pen, I'm guessing you may want to write down what I'm about to say. It'll be, you won't forget it. You'll, it'll be clear, but you might want to write it down. The Bible uses the phrase, will of God, throughout. And, and, if, if, and it uses it in one of three ways, every time. There's the providential will of God. There's the moral will of God. And there is the personal will will of God. If you were to get a concordance, and a concordance is nothing more than a big giant book that has every word that's ever been written in the Bible, and it shows you all the places where that word gets used. I bet you didn't know a book like that existed. It's fascinating. You should have a concordance. It'll help you with your Bible study. But if you were to get a concordance and look up the phrase will of God, every place that it's used in the Bible, what you would discover is that in every instance, the phrase falls into one of these three categories. Let's talk a minute about the providential will of God. Those are the things that God is going to do no matter what. Okay, He's going to do them, 
no matter what. You don't have to pray about them. These are things he's going to do just because he's God and he's going to do them. The providential will of God, you don't don't have to pray about the providential will of God. He's just going to do it. For instance, in Galatians chapter 4, it says that when God was ready, he sent Jesus into the world to be the Messiah. Now, God was going to send Jesus no matter what happened. Hell or high water was not going to stop God from sending Jesus into the world. It was the providential will of God, wasn't going to change. You can't get in the way of it. You're not going to stop it. It didn't matter if anybody prayed for it or not. It didn't matter if anybody believed in it or not. He was going to send Jesus as the Messiah. It was the providential will of God. Revelation 20 says that on the, on the last day, we're going to stand in judgment before God. Now, you may not like that idea. That may make you uncomfortable. You may not want to believe that. But Revelation 20 says that's what's going to happen. That's the providential will of God. Nobody had to pray and say, God, I hope you judge us one day. No, God said, no, that's the way it's going to go down, and and you can't do anything to stop it. It's the providential will of God that Jesus returned. It was the providential will of God that he raised up the nation of Israel through whom he would send the Messiah. So there are just things that God is going to do, and they're, they're, they're not dependent on our obedience. They're not dependent on our prayers. has nothing to do with any of that. He's just going to do certain things. Providential will of God, that's what that is. Now, even though it doesn't hinge on our obedience per se, it's very, very important. Uh, It's a very, very important facet of the will of God, our obedience is. Because all through history, God has used men and women to accomplish his providential will. One day an angel showed up to Mary and said, look, Mary, you're going to have a child. I want you to carry this child that's going to be a very important child. In other words, I'm going to send a son into the world, and nobody can stop me, but Mary, I want to use you. One day he, he comes to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I want you to go to a place that you, you, you don't know about. I want you to leave all your stuff behind. Just go to a new place, and um, you know, I'm, going to raise, I'm going to bless the world through you. I'm going, to, I'm going to raise up a nation through you, which was very hard for Abraham to believe at the time. And nobody's going to stop me, but I've chosen you to do it. So the important thing to know about the providential will of God is that he accomplishes it through men and women. And as believers, the more familiar we become with what God is up to now and what God plans to do later, no matter what, the easier it becomes for us to identify what is God's will for us personally. So there's the providential will of God, those things that God is going to do. Then there's the moral will of God. Those are the commands. Those are the things that sometimes you don't like. Those are the things that the re- those are the reasons some people don't like to come to church. I don't want to go to church and have somebody tell me what to do. It's the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. Should I lie? God, should I lie? God would say, no, I don't want you to lie. Should I treat people unfairly? No, I don't want you to treat people unfairly. See, we don't like the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. I just want to stop for a minute. I want, you, I want to say this because it's, it's important. If you pay close attention to the way I talk to you on Sunday morning, you will notice that I don't ever tell you what to do. I don't tell you what to do. I tell you what the Bible says. I tell you what the consequences are if you go outside of the thou shalt nots and the thou shalt nots, or the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. I tell you what the consequences are. I tell you if you, if you, you, know, if you want to go through life with the least amount of headwind, here's the way to do it. But... We're all human, and we all have a will, and we all decide to go outside of those thou shalts and thou shalt nots, right? 
And, and my job is to make sure that you understand that that's not the best path for you, that there's, there are chances, good chances, that things aren't going to go well. There are consequences for, just like in your household with your kids, there are consequences for misbehavior. And the reason you have rules in your house is because you love your kids, right? Not because you hate them, not because you're trying to make them miserable, but you have rules to protect and provide for your kids. That's why God says, thou shalt not. It's not that he's trying to make you miserable, it's because God loves you very, very much. And he knows, believe it or not, he knows what's better for you than you do. Does that sound familiar? And so, we don't like coming to church. We don't want somebody telling us, thou shalt not. Who are you to tell me that? God says, look, I made you, I know. But there's some thou shalt nots that God says, you know, I don't want you to do. First Thessalonians, it says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Part of God's will for your life and mine is that we remain morally pure. You don't have to pray about it. You know, if your boyfriend calls you up and says, babe, let's move in together. You know, let's, you know, if you, you wouldn't buy a pair of shoes without trying them on. We need to try this out. We wouldn't buy a car without test driving it. Let's try this out. And, you, you know, you might hear that and go, I don't know if God wants me to do that. Let me pray about it. God, should I move? You don't even need to pray about it. The moral will of God is keep yourself morally pure. God, I need direction from you concerning my boyfriend should we move in together god's already answered the question for you it's part of his moral will first peter 2 the passage says that 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 it's that god's moral will is that we should obey the government which means that probably half of you were already out of god's will on the way to church this morning because you're probably driving faster than you should have to get here right just so you could hear god's word so so throughout the scripture, we find the moral will of God. It's the basic do's and don'ts, the thou shalts and the thou shalts. And so consequently, the more familiar we become with the moral will of God, the easier for us it is to discern this third part, which is the one you really want to know about, right? What you really want to know about is, okay, God, what about my life? What about the things that I'm doing? What do you have to say about what I'm doing. God, what do you want me to do? Should I marry him or should I not marry him? Should I take that job or not take that job? Should I buy this car or not? It's the personal decisions that all of us need to make. And the good news is, God is very, very interested in those decisions. God cares what you decide to do. He really does. First Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about the fact that he, he feels like God is calling him to become an apostle. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all supposed to become apostles, but Paul felt like that was something that, that God was calling him to. In 1 Peter 4, this is kind of scary. It says in 1 Peter 4 that some Christians, it's God's personal will for them to suffer. That'll mess with your theology. You know, nobody, I mean, give that to the other guy. I don't want that on me, right? But what if, what if, for whatever reason, and I can't explain it again, that make some of us not want to be christians anymore but that's what it says that god it's god's will that some people suffer that's kind of scary isn't it should i relocate to this city should i buy this should i go to school there all those things fall into the category of the personal will of god now if you don't if you don't get anything else i say today i want to make sure you understand this i'm gonna boil this down for you and and this is Knowing the will of God is really fairly easy. First of all, God's always after his glory. So you just pursue God's glory, you're probably going to be in God's will. But I want to boil it down even better for you. Here's the big picture. Here it is. The more familiar you become 
with the providential will of God. Those things that God is going to do, it doesn't matter whether anybody prays about it or not. The more familiar you become with those, the more obedient and submissive you become to the moral will of God. Those things that God says, don't want you to do that, do want you to do this. As you fall in line with that, as you get familiar with the providential will of God and become obedient to the moral will of God, the easier it's going to become for you to discern the personal will of God for you in your life. Does that make sense? Do I need to repeat that? You got it? Know the, more, the, the providential will of God, get familiar with it, get in line with the moral will of God, and it's going to become pretty clear what you're supposed to do personally. I want to show you a picture. What is that? Somebody knows. Like we got Plum Bob. That's a Plum Bob. It's not a Plum Tommy. It's a Plum Bob. That thing right there is, is what is used to build buildings. That thing right there, builders use it to determine what everything else around it is going to do. Okay? They used them on this building to make sure it would be straight. Builders use these all the time. I want to show you something else. This is a kind of a different version of a plumb. This is what I imagine they call this a plumb line, um, a mason's line. I saw this get used as they were building the building. I watched them lay lots of block around here, and they ran these strings all the time. You know what they do with that? They run the string. They, they put their mortar in place. They put the brick down. They take their little trowel and tap it a little bit, and they get it perfectly in line with that string. That's how they keep all the course of brick in line. That's how it all stays level. If you ever wonder, how, you know, how do they do that? They've got a little measuring thing that shows them that's how high this is supposed to be. And they, they build buildings according to the plumb bob and the plumb line. Now, here's what we need to understand this morning. God's providential will and God's moral will determines the plumb line for everything else that God is going to ask you to do. So the more familiar you are with the providential will of God and the more surrendered you are to the moral will of God, the easier it is to figure out what it is that God is calling you to do when it seems like what God's calling you to do is unknown. Now, do you know what the real difficulty is in figuring out God's will? It's not hearing from God. That's, if you're wondering, the answer on the test, it's not hearing from God. That's not the hard part. The real challenge is not that God is unwilling to speak and communicate. The real problem with most of us is our unwillingness to follow through, right? Because we don't want to do it. The same way that when your mom said, I want you to be home at 1030 tonight, you didn't want to do it. No, mom, I don't want to come home at 1030. Party's not over till 1130. I'll look like an idiot if I come home at 1030. Mom said, no, I want you home at 1030. I didn't want to do that, right? You didn't want to do that. That's kind of how we are with God. The challenge isn't that God doesn't want to communicate. He loves you. Look, he sent Jesus to die for you. That shows you how much he loves you. Someone who loves you that much wants to communicate with you. Someone who loves you that much has something to say to you and to me. See, when, when, when God sends Jesus to die for us, I think communicating with us is really pretty simple. Once you've done that, everything else is simple, right? And if he loves you enough to send Jesus to die for you, he certainly cares enough about the decisions that you make on a daily basis. The problem is not God's unwillingness to communicate. The problem most of us have most of the time is our unwillingness to follow through because there is a tendency on our part to say to God, God, I want you to show me what you want me to do, and I'll think about it, right? 
don't front with me. Don't lie to yourself. That's what we do. God, show me, and I'll think about it. If it lines up, if it's going to be convenient for me, then I'll do it. Listen, we all grapple with this. This is the hard part of following Jesus. But here's what you need to know. God does not give us direction for consideration. That's not why he gives it. God directs and communicates assuming participation. He directs and communicates assuming action, assuming obedience. God doesn't just speak so that we might consider it. God wants us to get to the point in our life where we say, God, I don't even really care what the question is. The answer is yes. Blank check, the answer is yes. When you get to that point in your life, you're going to hear from God loud and clear. Because God loves to give direction to his children, but God, God does not give out information for contemplation and for consideration. He just doesn't. Do, do you like doing that? See, God has an uncanny way of knowing when we're ready to participate and when we're just sitting back looking at our options. Let me break it down for you this way. You ever had somebody come to you and ask you your advice and then go out and do the exact opposite of what you said? I'm a pastor. Do you know how many times someone comes to me and asks me my advice and I tell them and they go do exactly the opposite of what I said? And then life is a mess and then they bring it back to me and they hold it up and say, can you fix it? I cannot. <laughs> Isn't it frustrating when someone does that? When, when that you give them good, what you think is good advice and they go and do the exact opposite? You think God doesn't get a little ticked off once in a while? When we say, God, tell me what to do. And God tells us what to do. And we go, I don't want to do that. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with, what's the next word? All. That's a hard word, isn't it? Trust in the Lord with all. See, I don't trust him with all. I trust him with part. So I can keep my options open. God says, no, when you get to the place where you are trusting me with all your heart. And then look at the next part. There's a contrast that goes on here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on. That is, don't don't put your dependency on anything else. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Flip side, lean lean not on your own understanding. That's your ability to figure things out. Right? That's because you're financially savvy and you know how to handle money. I don't need God to tell me how to handle money. I know how to handle money. No, an awful lot of people that knew how to handle money that seemed to go broke. Don't tell me how to do it, God. I know about relationships. I'm relationally savvy. I can figure it out. He says, look, when you get to the point where you're willing to trust me with all your heart and you are no longer leaning on your ability and your understanding and your ability to get it all right, in all your ways, not just some areas, but all areas submit to him be riveted to him be focused on him in all your ways submit to him as you're trying to make a decision about this arena over here in all other ways where it's clear god wants you to be doing something do it so if you've got a question about something over here but you know clearly what god wants you to do over here and you're not doing it why would you expect god to tell you about this if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing over here You ever gotten to the place with somebody where you said, you know, I'm just tired of talking to them because they just aren't listening? You think God ever thinks that about you or about me? God, tell me. No, Brett, you're not listening. 
get, get right over here. Figure this out over here. Maybe I'll speak to you about this over here. But right now, you're just playing with me. You're not doing what I, what I want you to be doing over here. As you're trying to make a decision about one area and, you, and you're not listening there, why would you expect God to say something to you about some other area? So that, that's the setup. In all your ways, submit to him. Now, here's the promise. And he will make your path straight. See, the point is this. God is not going to give us direction for our consideration. He says, look, I want you to know, and I don't want you to make any mistakes in your life. I want you to be able to go through life with the least amount of headwind. I want to guide and direct you in your life. I do. But I'm going to guide and direct you when I know that you are riveted to me. I'm going to guide and direct you when I know that you're listening, when you're focused. I'm going to guide you when I know that the answer to my questions is yes before I even ask you what the question is. Now, that's hard to do. I know. It's hard. He says, when you get to that point in all your ways you're acknowledging me, don't you worry. I will make it evident to you what it is that you're supposed to do. I will make the path plain. I will make the path clear. Listen to this quote from Thomas Merton. I apologize to you in advance that I don't have this on a screen. Um, I should have put this on a screen. Thomas Merton, if you're reading Thomas Merton, that's deep water, Jack, okay? That's deep water. Listen to what he said. We receive enlightenment only in proportion as we give ourselves more and more completely to God by humble submission and love. I'll read it again. We receive enlightenment only in proportion as we give ourselves more and more completely to God by humble submission and love. You see, enlightenment follows surrender. Simple. Enlightenment follows surrender. We do not first see and then act. We act on what we do not know and then we see. See, that's why the man or woman who's far from God and is waiting to see clearly before they believe, that's why it never happens. That's why they never start on the journey because they're waiting on God to show them and God says, no, you, you, I need you to do some acting. I need you to show some faith. In other words, if you're at a place where you would say, God, I'm not sure I want to do your will, but I want to know what it is, the God who created you and the God who loves you says, I'm sorry, but I just don't do it like that. But if you'll trust in me with all your heart, if in all the other areas that you know where I'm directing you, if you'll acknowledge me, I'll make a promise, I'll make your path clear, and I'll make your path obvious. And you couldn't miss my will if your life depended on it. You see, it's in surrender to the known will of God that paves the way to discovery, to the unknown will of God. It's in surrender and obedience to what we do know that sets us up to be able to discern what we don't know. And one of the frustrating things, and we'll talk about this in coming weeks, some of you are brand new to this whole deal. So you're, you're brand new to faith, and you think you want to know some of God's will, but every time you learn some of what God's will is, you go, oh, I don't like that. Well, I don't like that. And so the whole idea of getting to the place where you acknowledge God in all your ways before you hear from him, it's a little frustrating. But here's what it's about. It's about growing your faith. It's about growing us in obedience. 
And as you grow, and as you mature, and as you're able to come to a place where you say, yes, God, even, even before I know what the question is, the answer to you is yes. I'm just going to do what you want me to do. And at that place, you'll be able to know and discern God's will for your life. God wants to bring us to the place where he, he has us so humble before him and so neutral that the answer is yes before he even tells us what he wants us to do. And when you get there, you will not miss God's will for your life. Here's what you'll find if you pay attention. We all know broken people. Maybe you would say, I am a broken people. I mean, certainly I have been a broken people, right? You watch broken people People because of circumstances and decisions they've made in the past, people who maybe are at the end of their rope. I mean, they messed up so bad that they're saying, God, I don't, I don't, I don't want to make another decision without you. I've made enough bad decisions. I'm in a place where I just want to make decisions based on what you want me to do. So God, every decision I've ever made has turned out in turmoil. I'm, I'm tired of that. You help me. You give me the... The, the, the decision. Every relational decision I've ever made turned out bad. Every financial thing, every family thing, God, I can't seem to do it right. None of them worked out. I'm in a place where I'm afraid to do anything. You find people that are at rock bottom and they're broken, it's really easy for them to say, thy will be done. Because they would say, you know, my, my life, my way is a disaster. It's amazing how easy it is for people like that to discern God's will. Do you know why God does it this way? Part of it is the process of what God is doing in our life. Part of it is what God is up to with us. I'm going to say something. This is really, really important. So if you've wandered off, come back. Come back. God is more interested in you discovering him than he is in you discovering his will. Let it fall on you. God is more interested in you discovering him than he is in you discovering his will. And those of us who followed for a long time know this. We know that God has our undivided attention when we are trying to make a decision. Because when we're trying to make a decision, we pray like there's no tomorrow, right? When you've got to know it next Thursday, God, tell me, what do you want me to do? We're praying, praying, praying. God, I've got three weeks to decide whether or not I'm going to take this job and uproot my family and move us halfway across the planet. Tell me what to do. We're praying. Nobody has to say to us, you know, you really ought to pray about that. I am praying about it. That's all you do is pray. And in the process of trying to know his will, the truth is you get to know him. And ultimately, ultimately, that's what God's after. And as we seek after him, our faith grows. And when our faith, when, listen to this, when our faith intersects his faithfulness, that's when we fall on our knees and we say, man, what an awesome God you are. See, in your life, when, God, when your faith intersects God's faithfulness, that's when you're ready to file in here and sing along with Kyle at the top of your voice. Right? When, when, you, when your faith somehow intersects God's faithfulness, it takes you to a whole new level. And that's what God's after. Philip Yancey wrote this, I do not get to know God and then do his will. I get to know him more deeply by doing his will. 
He's saying it's in the process of seeking God's will that God opens himself up to us in ways that we would never have anticipated. At the end of the process, we haven't simply made a decision. At the end of the process, we know God. Our faith is increased. We know God. We know the creator. We know the one that loves us and made us and died for us. We know him because we said, yes, God, I'll just, I'll follow you. I want to know what you have to say to me. See, God created communication. That's what makes him the great communicator. We said Ronald Reagan was a great communicator. Ronnie comes in second. God is the great communicator, okay? When he's ready for you to know, you can't miss it. There's no place in the scripture that I know of where God made his will known and somebody said, what? They may not have liked it. They may not have wanted to do it. But they didn't go, huh? That wasn't clear. No, it was very clear when when God started trimming down this dude's army. He said, you know, you got thousands of men. I want you to trim it down to 300. And the guy's going, are you serious? I don't want to do that. You know, Ananias, I want you to go lay hands on Paul, on Saul, the Christian killer. God, are you sure? He kills people. You know, I mean, it was clear what God was saying. They may not have wanted to do it, but it wasn't that they didn't understand. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Because he wants you to know what his will is, but even more than that, he wants you to know him. So, just to recap real quick. Providential will of God, those things that God is going to do. You need to be familiar with those. The moral will of God, those things that God says, I I want you to do this, I don't want you to do that. Don't buck against those. Look, any more than you like your kids bucking against you when you say, I don't want you to play in the street. Oh, Mom, I want to play in the street. No, I want you to be able to come in and tuck you in at night. And if you play in the street, bad things are going to happen. So the rule is you can't play in the street. Oh, that's how we are with with the moral will of God. We don't understand that God loves us. And God says, look, I don't want you to do that, not because I'm trying to make your life miserable, not because I'm trying to be some bad guy, not because I'm trying to keep you from coming to church and because because I don't want anybody to have any fun. God wants you to have a good time. I, I honestly believe that. But he says there are certain things I just don't want you to do because they're not good for you. So the providential will of God, it's gonna happen. You don't even need to pray about it. The moral will of God, as you surrender to that, the personal will of God, God, what would you have me to do? I said this in the first service. You know, when you, when you get to the place where you're asking a question, should I marry him or not? Should I go there or not? Should I have the creme brulee or not? And the answer to that is you always have the creme brulee. Right? Always. It's the will of Brett. You always have the creme brulee. I'm pretty sure it's the will of God. Providential will of God. Moral will of God. Personal will of God. You get those first two right, the, the third one comes really pretty simple. God will speak to you when you're familiar with what he's after. Let's pray together. God, this is simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, You've blessed us by giving us a will of our own. We have a mind of our own. We get to make our own decisions. And, you know, we tell our kids that there's a responsibility that comes with being able to make decisions, and then somehow we want to think that we're immune to that. And so, Father, it's a huge responsibility that we have to, to, to try to decide how we're going to live life. And you, you have given direction. The thing is, oftentimes we hear it, we don't, we don't want to hear it, and we don't want to do it. 
The Father truly knowing you is found in, in, in obeying you as best we can. It's found in, in trusting you. It's found in, in just pursuing you. So, Father, this morning, we're in this room, we're all over the map in terms of what we believe and, and, and our willingness to submit and our willingness to obey. And God, it's just real simple. You, you say, don't do that. If you do, it's going to hurt you. And we do it anyway. And, Father, yes, we're forgiven. Yes, Jesus died for us. Yes, we're going to spend an eternity with you, those of us who placed our faith in Jesus. But we want to know you. We want to hear your voice every day. We want to make you proud. And we want to be used by you to help other people. So Father, this morning we're just as humbly as we know how, we just we apologize for those times when we've been obstinate, disobedient, and we just tell you that, that we want to do what you want us to do. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.